0: When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't send going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so oh, it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish, the
1: podcast that's a perennium optimist. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is correct. You know what?
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. (laughs) And today... Today, we're going to talk about LGBT elders. We're going to talk about old people. Oh, elders. This is (laughs) (laughs) the start (laughs) of what is going to be... Mike. Kyle.
1: Respect. Yeah. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means
0: to me by asking me.
1: Find out what it means to elderly people. Great. People. (laughs) Eh, this is <laughs> all. Of, this is so bad is so great. far. Cut all of this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um But first. But first, yeah. Uh, feedback and corrections.
1: Uh no. Well, if you want to give feedback to us, you can do the survey.
0: Yeah. We are, do the survey.
1: We're doing a survey right now. It's going to help us uh, see what you like, see what you want us to do differently about the show, about Patreon. Uh, lots of questions in there. We really hope we've gotten a ton of responses. Super helpful. Um, so yeah, go to gayishpodcast.com slash survey. You have until January 31st to fill it out. So please do that and help the show.
0: Yes. Dick bags. Friends, <laughs> lovers, <laughs> countrymen. <laughs> Lend me your rears. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, next. There was like a minor correction. Oh. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was all, all about though. So. Um this is going great. This is going great. Uh it was um it was about oh the first lesbian governor of Massachusetts oh. was actually a long ass time ago because she was acting governor and therefore I uh, uh, I don't know.
1: I guess I, I feel like it was a word was critical like uh, first lesbian governor sworn in or something no cuz you have to be I don't know.
0: Yeah, th- like but this is like she's for sure the first elected. Right lesbian governor of Massachusetts.
1: So still a first, not the first. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Still exciting. Still great. Great. Go governors. Here's the news. (laughs) Should we redo all of that? I've never (laughs) so much wanted to redo an opening.
0: Uh, That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody listens anyway. Okay. Sure. Shut your mouth hole. It's time for your ear holes. News. News. news (laughs) news <laughs> news the first okay great <laughs> okay here's more shit that i'm gonna fuck up so prepare yourself gird, right. gird your loins everyone see corrections on next episode yep. we have to talk about what's happening between the uk government and the scottish government and uh, all of their like gender certificate stuff Oh, okay and like just if you can't tell by my accent, y'all, I'm an American, mm-hmm. and I try to follow things and know things, but I don't always do a good job at that, so... You do better than most. Um, well, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Okay, so the gist here is that the Scottish government, which is... Scotland is part of the United Kingdom, and what happens in Westminster in London it is binding over people that live in Scotland because they're all one big happy country with the same monarchy and blah 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 but they also have their own legislature and they pass their own laws like it's sort of like there's some fucked up like not exactly one-to-one things but about it but like it's sort of like states in the united states have their own governments and pass laws and stuff scotland does the same thing so uh here not too long ago scotland passed their gender recognition reform bill it passed 86 to 39 and the parts of it uh, um, that are sort of what's what's important here is that it allows trans people to obtain a gender recognition certificate or GRC without the need for a medical diagnosis. Oh, lowers the age to sixteen. Wow, and um, also reduces the amount of time a person has to live in their gender before they're allowed to be legally recognized as that gender. Uh, under under British law, it's uh, it's a whole year. I don't know what they've or two years uh, i don't and i don't know what they've reduced it to in scotland but uh, apparently less than whatever the 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 broader uk law is
1: that's great whenever you talk about legislation about gender i that makes me that phrase makes me really nervous so yeah. that's awesome
0: yeah absolutely and and so so but now that has set up a uh, a a fight because the tory government they're the Chip bag face asshole party of of what happens in in the uk and the new prime minister rishi sunak um have indicated that they are going to go after a section 35 a section 35 means that they are basically trying to veto scotland's law Hmm. on uh the grounds that it's supposed to be uk law that supersedes it and the way they're going to block it is by not sending it to the king to sign it. Mm. So they're blocking the royal assent. Royal assent is what is needed for legislation to actually become law and active. So it's it's a, it's a fucked up, like, we're not going to give this bill to the king so that it becomes law, which is almost never done.
1: Isn't it like a formality? I talked about this on the episode about the queen when we talked about old white ladies and talked about the queen. Yep. And it seemed like it was just a formality that, like...
0: Typically it is, but formality or not, it is a requirement, and Mm. and the Tory government has indicated that they're going to block it. That's shitty. They're trying to say that it's a, like, in the United States, we would say a federal versus states' rights issue, Mm. and that the UK government has a vested interest in making sure that the uh, gender policies of all of the members of the United Kingdom are compatible and um, on the same page. And there's an Equality Act that they passed way back in the day. When was that? Uh, the Equality Act, I, I t- like 2010 or something that that uh, already outlines this for UK-wide. That's this. Uh, you have to have a medical diagnosis. You have to be 18, and you have to live as your um, gender uh, for. Uh, some it's a long period of time it's like a year or two before mm-hmm. before you can actually legally change your gender with mm-hmm. this certificate so what's what's super interesting to me about all of this is the Scottish people and the, the Scottish National Party the SNP, have been chomping at the bit for years especially after the Brexit bullshit to just leave the United Kingdom oh. they're like one foot out the door fuck this we want to be our own country again the United Kingdom can suck a dick we're gonna be Scottish, fucking deal with it. Do genders the way we want to do genders, and have our own money, and be part of the European Union, hopefully, because oh. they didn't want to leave. Uh, you know, a, huh. a, a whole, anyway. So it's entirely possible that like radical trans ideology is, <laughs> is, is going to result in Scotland asserting its independence.
1: Can you imagine? Like, right. This the <laughs> uh, like assassination of France Duke Art whatever the fuck that kicked off World War. Like this is that for. Scottish independence Yep,
0: it might be what a
1: weird like confluence
0: of events what a weird confluence of events yeah so so we're on the lookout to see if they're gonna go after that section 35 or not and uh, in the meantime the tory government has also announced that they are going to ban conversion therapy which a lot of people at least in my news circle seem to think is just a distraction like no we don't hate lgbt mm. people we're going to give them this big win so that they're maybe less mad about this trans thing yeah um so we'll see
1: yeah huh. interesting let 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 People deal with things like themselves and with their doctors you know the government doesn't have to tell us this stuff they don't know the the your doctor like you and your doctor know this you or your therapist or whoever like your rabbi yeah you, like whoever you, like yeah you, the government doesn't need we don't need one more person deciding what your gender is for you or how to do your gender yeah
0: right well and and uh the the, the tories are also um are repeating a lot of turfy bullshit about mm, like it's for it's for preserving women's spaces yeah. and you know yeah. blah 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 the, really very much just leaning on the, the the bullshit idea that it's just a dude putting on a dress to go molest women which right. that's just so fucked up yeah it, it's not true it's, it's happened exactly zero times <laughs> yeah anyway yeah uh news the second news the second uh i love this so marjorie taylor green uh head cunt uh here in in the united <laughs> states these uh. days uh through an anti-trans rally at the united states capitol and uh, only 12 people showed up. <laughs> so it, there was uh, there was right-wing Christian anti-LGBTQ lobby group Moms for Liberty and members of the staunchly homophobic, transphobic, and queerphobic conservative think tank Heritage Foundation present. Um, and then known J.K. Rowling fan Chris Elston showed up. Uh, detransitioner Chloe Cole, which we've talked about a couple oh. of times, often aunt was there. A conspiracy theorist named James Lindsay and so-called comedian <laughs> that's that's bitchy journalism right there <laughs> that's
1: really funny uh, 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 alex
0: stein um the signs that they hold up are just they're just it's just i don't want to repeat it actually mm. i realize that sometimes like we talk about all this stuff so often and just the awful shit that people say probably doesn't help to hear it over mm. and over again like we, but,
1: and we kind of get the point like we yeah. it doesn't add i don't yeah
0: uh, you named the bullshit it was on a sign <laughs> at that very pitiful rally mm. um yeah. Anyway, so it, it's it's interesting that it was just such a colossal failure, right? Yeah. Like sometimes I think that we think that the the fringes that are anti-LGBT in some way are like massive, and I don't think it's nice when they aren't, right? right. Like very
1: vocal minority.
0: Yeah. If there were thousands of people there, then I'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, that really sucks and it's awful. But, but yeah, but twelve, but I don't know. I could yeah. run over them with my car. It's fine. this is gonna be evidence in court i uh... news the last great okay great uh i love this this is my this is my my favorite news story of the week i think dr matt heinz who is on the pima county board of supervisors in arizona is a democrat and he is an out gay man he represents district two on the county board and uh about two hours into a meeting a a jacked dude wearing a speedo rolls into the back uh the the background uh and uh just like puts on a tank top and leaves he's not that jacked he's but he's very very fit and super sexy uh and and wearing a a speedo a lot younger than 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 dr matt here anyway he predictably now despite the fact that like there was no there was no sex there was no there was no dong in that in that thing Uh, who was that boy in the background and all of these allegations of that must have been a sex worker mm -hmm. that must be some like maybe a minor that he is uh corrupting and uh exploiting right-wing influencers have have just you know they're trolling him they said that he was wearing women's underwear. Which, so what if he was? First right, of right, all, right. but then second of all, no, it was just a speedo. Like, what's fuck you? What's wrong <laughs> with you? And one of the one of the tweets from Stephanie Hamill, who apparently is like like a, a local cunt. I don't know. Said uh, quote: "Man in panties makes appearance in Arizona Democrats' government work video." As if
1: they've ever seen like WWE where dudes wearing speedos are out and about, like
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Apparently they're they're just friends. Uh, so uh, Dr. Hines said he's 24. He's clearly an adult. We're good friends who travel well together. We are not dating. We are not boyfriends. We are not engaged. We are not married. Uh, he is not a sex worker. I work the night shift and I voluntarily take the day before Thanksgiving. I work Thanksgiving night. I work Christmas Eve usually, Christmas Day and the night of. And I typically work the two or three days leading up to the new year. Then I'll take seven to 10 days time off. This this is our thing. We travel <laughs> together. He's, he's a great... A a great guy, blah blah blah. He accidentally walked into the frame for like not even three seconds. Was not naked. Is clearly an adult. Is not a sex worker. Hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But it's just been a really strange reaction.
1: They they really are just friends. One of the few times when you're talking about a gay dude that they're just friends. Like they're they're just friends. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Good for you for having hot friends
0: too, (laughs) Doctor Matt.
1: I yeah, hot friends, man. I, I like my friends to be slightly less attractive than me. So I feel very pretty.
0: Oh, well, I like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, Dr. Matt is very daddy. So, oh, you know, this is
1: like, we mm. need a shirt that says Very Daddy. Very Daddy.
0: <laughs> that's really funny. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's the news.
1: That's the news. Well, uh, speaking of people that are Very Daddy, that's our Patreon members. I want to thank our Patreon members who, uh,
0: if you should. Sign- we give them all doctorates? Yes. Okay, great. Why? <laughs> I don't know.
1: Oh, that, okay. I was trying to make the connection between something I said and. Uh, no, okay. Yeah, do- uh, all the following are Dr. Patreon people. Thank you. This person signed up with their email addresses, their name. So I'm not just gonna call Jose Dr. Jose. Not right. your not reading your full email address here. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Conroy. That's a solid Th- name. That's a solid name. Yeah. They, Thanks, like, Doctor
0: Conroy. Yeah, they're on Lake ad Anatomy.
1: <laughs> Dr. William West. Also what a, a name. Excellent name. Um, and Dr. Greg Boney Bowney? Bone. Bound, Bone. <laughs>
0: Barn. <laughs>
1: Sorry, Greg. Doctor Greg. Doctor Greg. Great. Um, thank you so much. If you want to sign up for Patreon, you get episodes a day early. So, like every Wednesday, you get the episode. There's no ads. You get to support us. Uh, at the five dollar level, you get bonus audio, and you get to start voting to help us decide uh, what episodes to do. So, a lot of fun stuff. Go to Patreon.com/slash/GayishPodcast to see all the benefits.
0: You also get whatever you want.
1: Whatever you want, <laughs> what you really, really want. Um, another benefit is everyone at every level gets to join our Patreon happy
0: hour. Yes. once a
1: quarter we do a Patreon happy hour.
0: The first Wednesday of the second month of every quarter, because that totally makes sense. It <laughs> isn't hard to figure you, out. You at have all. to like
1: if once you think through it, it makes yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Wednesday, February the first at six p.m. Pacific time. All of our supporters at any level of financial support through Patreon. We'll have access to a Zoom happy hour, so come get wasted.
1: Yeah, they're a lot, they're always a lot of fun. We hang out, we chat, we have shirtless dudes walking around in the background for several seconds.
0: It's yeah, great. Actually, that that has happened <laughs> sometimes. Do you want to talk about elders? Yeah, let's talk about elders. Okay, okay. So so the like the elephant in the walk-in closet, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, uh, in the armoire is. uh we lost an entire generation of, of gay men to AIDS, right? right? Like yeah. there's just a very much wiped out segment of our population. And we're just now sort of starting to recover from that. Yeah. So that that just automatically, anytime you talk about elders and gay people, you, you have to talk about the fact that like AIDS killed them all, right? And it's really interesting because like then the elders that we do have are so... Valuable and yeah. and and precious and I wish I knew more of them and talk to them more about this stuff
1: Yeah, me too. Um, and, and like we're we're running into a lot of firsts. We don't know how to deal with and manage the, the needs, the infrastructure, what we need to help support LGBT elders. yeah um, We're gonna have a guest on, we're gonna have Dr. Linda Marchesani on to talk more about it. So we have an expert. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a generation that we just, it's, it's a new generation and kind of some, we're doing some of these first and trying to figure it out as we go.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think another, I, I mean, where I was thinking is, I think we, and I've surely have done this where I don't show elders that went through especially lgbt elders went through shit not just aids The you know things of progressed with for ex- rights and with yeah. acceptance mm-hmm. and and coming out and and getting fired because you're outed or that your name goes in the paper like they uh, they went through so much shit and i have not always shown them the respect that that deserves yeah you could probably rewind this to the somewhere earlier in this episode (laughs) where we didn't show them the respect that they deserve. Like, I I think uh, we're often very shitty to our elders and I'm trying to be better about that.
0: Yeah. Well, and how much of that though is also us being shitty to anybody who's not a young, white, blonde, blonde, hairless twink
1: yeah there are people right?
0: like like being being old is like a crime in and of itself in large pockets of gay society just look at grinder oh and, yeah
1: you right, get to like four what like 40 and you're dead like that's the, thanks like, kyle that's not <laughs> like you there's a certain age where it's people are like no not above this like it, yeah. it sucks
0: yeah absolutely absolutely
1: you're you're very alive to me mike you're vibrant <laughs> full of life full of other people's life sometimes
0: yeah well and you know. I, the daddy thing is working there are lots of lots of 20 somethings are super down <laughs> with the with the 40 plus crowd that has worked
1: um, uh definitely in a lot of people's favors yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. do you think about getting older and what that's going to be like
0: i do all the time because yeah. i'm i'm worried that like i'm well i'm single and i'm going to be alone forever and not have kids and who's going to take care of me and yeah. like i don't want to i don't want to die alone and be lonely and like, it's just, it's just all of that's really sad to think about, so let's go to the bar. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I, I think the exact same thing. I'm, like, very frustrated that I'm at this point in my life and I'm not dating someone or married. Like, I, I think we yeah. often are delayed in many of us who didn't get to come out or didn't come out earlier. Like, we're, we're delayed in so many things, and that just pushes everything back. And, yeah, like, this is a common thing with LGBT elders, is, like, they don't have the same familiar Familial support structure Because they may not have kids Or their families may have disowned them Or what have you So I think about like When I When I'm looking back on my life Will I feel like I've achieved What I want to And I'm very worried That I will look back And be just like Disappointed in myself
0: Oh that's interesting Yeah I mean, yeah, it'll probably happen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I can find a way to be disappointed in most anything I do. So it, prob- it probably will, but that's like, yeah, man, we're real, really bringing it down. What a what an episode so far, Mike.
0: Right. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I. We can't win them all, Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> I think most of
1: our episodes are pretty good. Yeah, we'll see what happens with this one.
0: Uh, usually we're W Riz, but now we're going to be L Riz. This episode like, might
1: be L Riz.
0: Yeah, we learned slang from. But talk about being elders. I'm sure we hung out with my nephews this weekend, who were here, and I'll I'll, I'll talk more about that later. I'm sure, but like, at 44, I'm sure that I am just ancient and decrepit yeah. to them. Yeah. Yeah all that's to say it is kind of relative right i definitely have like my uh what counts as old has shifted a whole bunch for sure when i when i first came out at 29 and 30 years old 40 was just like so fucking far gone over the hill in my like fucked up world yeah yeah no it like that's just not true yeah and so those people in grinder that are like nobody over 40 like you, bitch. You I, I, don't even know. Yeah.
1: I to my credit, I feel like I have like as I've gotten older, expanded who I'm interested in. Like my age range is like everyone. <laughs> I don't know. Like or like body types have changed. Like that's a I don't know. I yeah. You just have to get older and wiser and learn why like the things you might have done or said are were were shitty. So I don't know. Um, but I'm I'm really excited to talk to Doctor uh, Marchesani to learn more about the specific needs of LGBT elders. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to take a break. Yeah. And when we come back, we will have Dr. Linda Marchesani with us to talk about uh, uh, elders. Elders. Yeah. So should, we, should we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Break.
2: Break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break.
0: Are we back? We're back.
2: We're
1: back. <laughs> <laughs> we are back. We are here with Linda Marchesani. She her pronouns. Uh, she is on the Gen Pride Board of Directors, which we'll talk a little bit more about Gen Pride, and has a Doctorate of Education from the University of Massachusetts. Thanks so much for being here.
3: Thanks, Kyle. I'm really uh, I'm really pleased to be here and glad to be talking about Rainbow Elders today.
1: Yeah. Well, funny you mention. I was going <laughs> to ask about the nomenclature both. labels you use and and how to talk about I I heard you when we were talking talk about rainbow elders and I that was the first time I'd heard it so can you tell me a little bit more about that
3: sure you know as you know we have a very uh, broad and inclusive community and if we were to identify and I'm not sure I'll get all the uh, folks in there but LGBTQIA plus to spirit Uh, so we at Gen Pride. You know, we talk about our experiences a lot, and so uh, we've actually uh, used the phrase "rainbow elders" mm. so that we're not necessarily having to be specific every time. Yeah. But in a lot of our materials and things of that nature, I mean, we do ma- we do represent uh, all aspects of our community. But it uh, we do it. And a way to identify ourselves as elders and also to not have to say all those letters every time. So (laughs) we refer to ourselves as rainbow elders and... Uh, we'll be doing that during this conversation.
0: Yeah, I know we talked a little bit about uh, the. We'll, we'll talk more about the word queer later, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the the idea that like queer is to represent everybody. So does the rainbow. So I love it. I think Rainbow Elders is just a, a really a fun way to do you know the, the same thing and include yeah. everyone under the whole diaspora. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. fantastic. Uh,
1: to start off, us off, I thought you could just start to share a little bit about your experience. In the LGBT community, and so we know kind of are frame of reference as we're having this conversation.
3: Uh, so I am—I uh, identify as a white cisgender lesbian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am from the East Coast. Um, I have been a lesbian all my life, and <laughs> uh, uh, so my experiences are very much rooted uh, in the lesbian experience and in the the community in general. And so uh, I would say as Several folks in my generation, I spent part of my own life uh, closeted. I was a New York City public high school teacher mm. oh. and then uh, in my later 20s came out and have been you know active in my community. the community being uh, Western Massachusetts. Mm. Uh, where the university is located, where I went to school and then lived for several decades. I do have a commitment towards a, a lot of different social justice issues, and I have done work in that, train education in that uh, for most of my professional life. And so when I came to Seattle and looking for a way, which was in about 19, 19, 2017, looking for a way to connect with those things that I'm passionate about, uh, that's when I found Gen Pride and started out as one of their trainers, going into various uh, social service agencies, various assisted living facilities, senior centers to talk about the experiences of rainbow elders and ways that we're both continually discriminated against in both medical settings. And senior settings and what they can do to change to make it more welcoming and inclusive and to meet our needs
0: Hmm. i I know that like there's so many problems in this country in particular with elder care and elder abuse and i don't really never really thought about it that like you add the compounding effect of being under the rainbow being being a rainbow elder i imagine those things sort of multiply against each other to, to create a lot of difficulties.
3: They do, and I think part of it really has to do in, in part with the historical context. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the el- our elder population, myself, and, and you know somewhat younger, somewhat older than me, but particularly folks older than I, they came of age at a time when being, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, being uh, queer, mm-hmm. Um, was criminal they were psychologically uh, seen as you know um, having mental mental illness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they could lose their jobs lesbians could lose their children um, you know they were ostracized in their families and religion So it was a highly uh, discriminatory and highly stigmatized environment mm-hmm. and so that, you know, led to a lot of us forming families of choice Mm -hmm, since mm -hmm. we weren't always welcome out and welcome in our own families. Um, And so that fear, all of those fears, a lot of folks lived a good part of their lives in the closet, Mm -hmm. hiding who they truly were. And so as folks have aged and have needed services, even... You know, when as we age, we can become very vulnerable. We have illness, we have aging, we need other people to help take care of us. And so both for folks that have always been in the closet and had that fear of discrimination, when you have the vulnerabilities of aging, that's even more intensified. Mm-hmm. And for some folks who have been out for fear of being discriminated against because service providers Uh, And other folks or other folks in in various settings Still carry prejudices and discrimination will go back in the closet Mm -hmm. And it all of it has a compounding negative effect on our health and well-being
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk to me a little bit more about the importance of the chosen Family then you you used a a phrase earlier that I I didn't catch mother mother of the heart
3: is Uh, well, uh, my mother of the heart, who's going to be one hundred, uh, is part of my chosen family. Mm. Uh, she was not my biological mother, um, but she was. A, she is a woman who was very uh, embracing and understanding of me mm-hmm. uh, as a lesbian, and really. Uh, I received a lot of love and affirmation. Not that I didn't receive love from my own mom, but she was able to give it to to me in a way that my mother could not. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I just never heard that that phrase before.
3: That. Oh, I think it's a little unique to me. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay, okay. I like it though. It's, well, I do. I think actually, in my friends, you know, instead of. Uh, this is a little sidebar but instead of like my stepchild or my this my child of the heart Mm -hmm. you know we all have i mean you don't have to be a rainbow elder or a rainbow young person to have you know relate family type relationships uh and it's a way to uh, for me it's a way to honor that relationship and how important it is in my life and many of us uh have chosen family they are our they are family. they are family of the heart. They may not be family of the blood, but they are, we are closer. Many folks closer to them than we may be to our own biological families.
0: It reminds me a little bit of the way that um, drag queens will have drag families, right? Like yes. there's the, the drag yeah. mom and yeah. the, like so and so is my drag sister, and they have these really tight family-like yeah. structures. That uh, it's so. It's I think it's really cool. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: talking about some of the unique experiences of the Rainbow Elders I mean going through Stonewall going through AIDS like there are so many monumental moments that I only read about and, and learn about and I'm curious if you can talk more about just I don't know some of the most important things that you experienced
3: so you know again my uh, experiences are rooted in being a white cisgender lesbian and that's very different from uh, gay men in the 80s and in 90s during the AIDS epidemic mm-hmm so um, and that was kind of removed from that wasn 't a part of my experience i wasn 't in a community uh where we were actively supporting gay men and you know in that in that regard uh, i mean i was uh, it 's you know Stonewall happened I was out I was going to the clubs in New York at the time, wow. uh, so you know I do remember that, and I do remember the changes that started happening. Mm. I think that some of the really, you know, if I think about what are the really nodal points in our own historical evolution, uh, Massachusetts was the first state to legalize gay marriage in 2004. Mm -hmm. And so being in Massachusetts at that time, and, you know, I knew uh, some of the couples that were part of the suit, and uh, just friends just started getting married. And and that, uh, to me... The ability to be able to legally marry your partner, your life partner, is one of the most important things that have happened in our own evolution. Now, I know not everyone's a fan of marriage, (laughs) um, but I think uh, you know, even as you get older, the the fifteen hundred rights and benefits that you get are are important. And there's a way that, you know, as soon as my, my wife and I got married, and, you know, we were talking about, well, what's the term we're going to use, spouse? But we started, you know, calling ourselves, you know, she's my wife. Mm-hmm. And there's a way that, for myself, being able to refer to her as my wife, being out in the world, feeling no compunction about introducing you know either of us introducing ourselves as our wives just for me felt very liberating yeah and it felt like we had arrived at a particular place in time that was very significant i mean for,
0: for, for the record i i'm very much pro-marriage i do it all the time <laughs> I, 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 Mike, i've gotten married twice uh. I'm currently single but I, I have i have been married twice but there was something really very cathartic and special and cool about calling him my husband like it it means something to 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 do that to do that and and to say that and to call somebody that so uh,
2: i
3: i also think that for the heterosexual population it's a framework and a construct that they recognize Mm. yeah and so having that shared construct i you know i think for folks can make us seem more connected and less other can mm. can diminish some of the othering that happens with our experience
0: yeah absolutely yeah. this this is my registered domestic partner just doesn't it has an <laughs> othering effect to right. it right like yeah absolutely
1: man the downside of when uh marriage passes then my boyfriend at the time everyone was asking us if we were going to get right. married <laughs> and we were like We've been together a year. <laughs> like no, no, I like it. I just, but yeah, then I'm I'm curious next to hear a little bit more about. There have been some studies that have helped us understand Seattle Rainbow Elders' experiences in Seattle and some of the needs. I'm curious to hear a little sure. bit more about those.
3: Well, Dr. Uh, Karen Fredrickson Golson, who's a professor at the University of Washington and the founder of the Golson Institute, she's. Done. She's been very prolific in her research and scholarship on aging in general and on LGBTQ aging in particular. And in 2011, she uh, led the first longitudinal study, uh, national study, on the experiences of middle and older uh, rainbow elders. And she had 2,500 respondents in that. And then that was a follow-up with a Seattle-based study in 2018 that had over 500 folks. And uh, in terms of who participated, 30% of the participants were over 70, 33% were people of color, 43% were women, and 18% were transgender or non-binary. So some of the findings that came out of that uh, are, at the time, 45% of us live alone, Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, 75% are financially insecure. Oh. 40% experience housing insecurity. 68% have been victimized or discriminated against three times or more. And most were not accessing senior or housing services. Hmm. And so, you know, the... What happened was, you know, they took these findings and then created a series of recommendations um, that they put forth to the city, the county, I think the state as well. I wasn't here at the time. But the recommendations were to fund a senior center, Hmm. to promote and engage our community to come together, you know, because isolation, you know, many of the things that we experience also are experienced in the general population, but can be exacerbated. So Mm -hmm. the isolation being one of them, so promote and engage our community, build affordable uh, LGBTQIA plus senior housing, and build cultural knowledge. Help Mm. people understand our experiences, um, the challenges, the discrimination we face, and really help them identify things that they can and need to change so we have quality of life as we age. Mm. The result of that study was Gen Pride Generations Aging and Pride in two thousand sixteen was the senior center that was uh, de- uh, developed to respond uh, to the research and to serve as a community need. So, um, and that's when Gen Pride was uh, first established.
0: Uh, where Where is the center? Well, upon- right
3: now we're right now we're in Twelfth Avenue Arts. Okay. Um, we will be when we get to talk about we will be the ground floor of Pride Place pride place being the senior uh the lgbtq affirming affordable senior housing the first in seattle huh. with gen pride uh, over 4000 square feet gen pride occupying the ground floor cool. providing services not only to the tenants in the building but to anyone in king county
0: I hope this isn't too reductive of a question. And uh, is there is there a lower limit to what what age you would consider somebody being a rainbow rainbow elder?
3: I do believe fifty five is uh, kind of the place that where we reach out and yeah. it's it's kind of our marker age.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. To, good to know. There
3: uh,
1: there are a couple like you said the word first for a couple of like for Jed Pride for Pride Place like I don't know if what you what your thoughts were, Mike. Like to me it just if you would have named that, I would have said, oh, surely we there's something. Surely we have something like that. I would not have guessed that 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 this is the first.
3: Well, there are a number of yeah. rainbow ho- rainbow elder housing in many in the large cities in mm-hmm. Los Angeles in New York. Uh, so it's one in Portland.
0: We have a listener, uh, yeah. uh, Gary, who is in one uh, oh. in, in, in Portland. Yeah.
3: So it's it's there. The need is there. The response is there. It's largely in larger cities. Mm-hmm. But here we are, and it's yes. the first for Seattle.
1: Mm-hmm. Is Seattle just behind the times?
2: Uh, like... Well,
3: uh, we're in the middle of the times. So okay, that? Okay. <laughs> okay. That makes me feel <laughs> a little better. It. All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so you said uh, the, the 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 center then at the new location, that, that, that's, that's this year that's going to open well, up?
3: Well, the center has been... Open and offering programs, mm-hmm. uh, we offer services, we offer support, mm-hmm. we offer social opportunities. Um, we do a lot. There's a lot of every most everything right now is still online. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of exercise classes, yoga, strength and balance. Um, we have health and wellness, cooking classes. We mm-hmm. have arts classes. The the there was a whole writing lab. I think this was before COVID, where. A book was published. We bring in legal aid, talk about end of life planning uh, and things of that nature. Uh, we have a movie club, um, we uh, have cooking classes. We have peer support. Uh, you know, there's a social worker on staff, and uh, there's been caregiver support groups, peer support. Uh, you know, especially during the pandemic, the isolation. So. We are still doing a whole range of various events and programs. Just most of them are online. Mm -hmm. We -hmm. did actually, Mm -hmm. though, this past fall, we had the first kind of coming out of COVID, you know, in-person group, facilitated group, where just people got to talk about, you know, what's it like to, you know, reenter society. Mm -hmm. So, but when we, you know, in the fall, we will move into our permanent home which will be this over 4,000 square foot community center. It will have a congregate kitchen. We'll be able to serve meals. It will have a health center. It will have community gathering rooms. The offices of Gen Pride will be there. Um, and it, it will be, as I said, it will be the anchor uh, in this building. Uh,
0: I'm 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 interested. I don't know how to ask it, other than to just ask. Uh, would, would those services include like sexual health support? Because I, I think there's a there's a stereotype out there that that older mm-hmm. people don't really have sex lives, and they are wrong. Right. Like, <laughs> right. We, we we know we know that that they do, and
3: we haven't actually begun to sort of coalesce around what are the health needs mm-hmm. that the clinic is going to offer and who's going to offer them. Mm-hmm. However, I think the op- the topic of sexual health is very important because I do think there are a lot of stereotypes that as we age, we are no longer sexual, and so no need to bother, but that's hmm. just not true. So thank you for debunking that myth. <laughs> yeah. And uh, hopefully, you know, once we, uh, you know, sort of, develop the array of services that that'll be something we offer
0: yeah well i i i'm on record as saying i hope i hope that my parents and grandparents like have sex clear into their 90s and beyond because that means there's hope for me
1: (laughs) and i'm on records as saying that's a weird thing to say
3: (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not going on the record
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm curious we're talking about some of the services that that are you know being considered or provided and I had a friend when I talked about this episode and, and this construction that was going up, say, wait, why do why do Rainbow Elders need di- a different kind of care than el- Elders? Well, I'm so curious to hear what are the unique needs that may come about be- because you're a Rainbow Elder?
3: Well, let's let's first talk about the housing. Oh, yeah. You know, because I think that, that one of the um, really profound impacts of aging is often... Social isolation, hmm. and if you're someone, let's just take a hypothetical. If you're someone who maybe has had, you know, a, a close circle of chosen family friends, and maybe they've passed away or maybe they've moved away, then you know you you can find yourself very isolated. And if you're in a, an environment, and I know you know many of our seniors are in, if not necessarily hostile environments, not welcoming environments, not environments where they have connections with people who know and with whom they feel deeply connected Mm. and so uh, and because of the housing insecurity I mean this housing that's going up is it's uh, informed by your income Mm -hmm. so it addresses the needs of low income rainbow elders but it provides that potential sense of community and connection with other people that share your experience I mean there's you know it's so it's an important it's not the only thing we need but it's an important thing we need and then you know some of the you know you brought up the sexual health needs I mean whether it's um, general health mental health sexual health you know not all practitioners are knowledgeable or sensitive to our needs Mm -hmm. and so having practitioners that are it increases the likelihood of our utilizing those services because a good number of rainbow elders don't seek out the the health services they need for Mm -hmm. that fear. You know, I think about transgender elders. You know, I mean, you know, they're a population that, you know, very much discriminated against inside the medical profession. So by having folks that can focus on our needs And create safe, welcoming environments for us increases the likelihood that we will actually utilize health services and Mm. take care of our needs.
0: Part of that blows me away to think about like so much of the medical services for trans people narrative is focused on the transition process. But a lot of people get on hormones. And then you think about aging and people's bodies naturally their hormones change as they age. Are there endocrinologists that are smart enough and are tied into trans health enough to know how to adjust and and follow that person right. as they age? Because I would imagine that their needs change, hmm. but I never really thought about it yeah. until yeah. <laughs> right yeah. this second. That right. like maybe maybe the needs of an eighty-year-old trans woman are different than those of a thirty-year-old trans woman when it comes to these these things. And who who does that? Who knows how to do that? Who's studied this and is versed in making these adjustments mm-hmm. it's it's, it's fa- i'm fascinated yeah
3: well, <laughs> you know the other side of this you know i mean here's a, w- a one way to think about this i mean the population of this the lgbt population the visible population is uh it's a lot you know it's a largely white city mm-hmm. yeah. so and then there there are you know community organizations entre hermanos utopia that are really geared towards not necessarily just elders brought to, to various racial and ethnic identities um and so when you think about being an especially being an elder a rainbow elder maybe a, an african-american rainbow elder or uh an asian american an asian rainbow elder you know your one's affinity might be more to the cultural to the senior centers that have a cultural connection yeah, yeah. and so how do we help and go in, you know. How do we help folks find community, both inside? You know, how do we do a better job addressing the racism inside the white LGBTQ community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do we help work with other communities so that folks can be, you know, welcomed and supported inside? And not, I'm not just singling out the cultural communities. Any, you know, we've we've been all over Seattle, so any of the communities, any of the senior centers. Um, where I mean, the most important thing is that people can bring their full selves to wherever they are. So if they're going to a card game in one of the senior centers, they can talk about their, you know, and their husband is not feeling well. And everybody in the card game is sharing about either their issues or the issues of their spouses. Well, you know, uh, everyone should be able to talk about what's on their mind and to get that mutual support and doing that freely. Mm-hmm. And so having an environment where the, the centers take the lead in helping to create that environment, and we definitely work with them to think about ways that they can do that. Mm-hmm. So that we can bring our full, I mean, that's really the bottom line, is being able to be our full selves as we go through all the different stages of life. And all the different, inf- because our needs change, the environment, the people, you know, the providers, things of that nature change, so that everyone will be able to see us and value us, and respect us, mm. and we can we can bring our full selves mm. yeah. to all of those experiences. Mm.
1: Yeah. Are you ready for us to ask a little bit about some of the stereotypes?
3: Well, as I said to you, I'm going to ask you about the. St- <laughs> <laughs> You're the ones with the stereotypes.
1: <laughs> yeah. That that was a. Uh, that was a really great point. I I'm, I'm asking you what what's uh Yeah, so
3: I, All right, tell me, Kyle. What yeah. are you what do you Yeah.
1: <laughs> Boy, okay. I mean, one of the ones we mentioned is I think a lot of people excuse homophobia, transphobia um uh, because of age. They may say, "Oh, they're part of a different generation," or um, you know, that's just that's just how they are and kind of excuse um some kind of bad behavior. And I'm curious your reaction to that.
3: Well, uh, you know, I, I have spent a lot of my professional life doing education around things like homophobia, heterosexism, racism, et cetera. And so it's grounded in the core belief that, um, you know, education and connection are very helpful no matter what stage of life, but you do need to meet people where they are. So I don't, I'm not someone that feels like that behavior should be excused, but finding a way in to um, connect with a person, help try to help educate, uh, set clear boundaries if things don't change. But, uh, so I do think making efforts in the, that way and meeting people where they are is important, but I don't think just excusing behavior is okay um, mm-hmm. but so I don't think it's about writing people off I don't think it's necessary about totally calling people out yeah. but I think it's about finding a way to take a person in the context of their lives and trying to find a way in mm-hmm. uh, through human connection education and but again still having clear boundaries yeah. of what's yeah. okay and what's not for you personally
1: yeah I think that connection is something that Can get lost so often, and and I think we see that connection, understanding of of a person, an LGBT person, is what helps people, (laughs) then you know move past homophobia. Like having a a person in their life they're connected to, can can help with that.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure.
3: Talking about connection, I mean, here we are. We're kind of a. I don't know exactly how many generations in the room here. <laughs> uh, At least three. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think one of my own experiences is the lack of connection within our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly, I wouldn't say this is a stereotype, I think it's just the experience of elders being kind of cut out of the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sh- I, I know uh, my wife and I have gone down to the Frameline Line uh, film festival in san francisco many years hmm. and increasingly you know there's just not many films are being made about us mm. hmm. you know mostly it's the younger folks yeah. and it's those folks making the films and so we we become invisible to you hmm. yeah. and you know we don't you know so not only are we not connected across generations but uh, we, in my opinion, have become be, become very invisible, and I think part of Gen Pride is to bring that, and, and Pride Place is to bring us, to help us become more visible. Yeah. Um. And the the you know the strengths that we have, the contributions that we continue to make, um. And the the connections because we are each other's family in a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. We are yeah. the generations, and y'all stand. On the shoulders as even do of I the folks that came before mm. and so how do we keep that in our history In our culture and in the kinds of communities we create
0: mm-hmm. I want I wonder about how If you if a younger person wanted to intentionally make a connection I wonder How to go about that right because there's so many activities where we're where at least gay men I'll speak for gay men being a gay man uh, you know, you, you can meet people at the bar, you can join a sports league of some kind, uh, you can um, meet people on Grinder or Scruff <laughs> or one of those, those apps. And I just, those are places where like, gay men, oh, rainbow gay men uh, are, are sort of, um, they're in, they're invisible, like, you don't, you don't, you don't see them in those spaces to meet them and, and have a connection. How do we how do we fix that? How do we how do we how do we connect? You well,
3: know? you know, um, I mean, one way uh, we have a very robust uh, volunteer program. Hmm. Uh, Sonia Frogen, who's the volunteer coordinator and the administrator, ha- really uh, has brought together, you know, fifty plus volunteers uh, hmm. to do things like, you know, uh, represent Gen Pride at festivals or events. Working with uh, homage, senior Americorps opportunities for volunteers uh, to connection through companionship, yeah. peer support. I know Age Pride has legacy letters where uh, younger folks work with older folks to help them write their stories. Hmm. Well. Um, so I don't know exactly. I don't really have much to say about how to change the social scene. Hmm. Um, but for folks that are interested in building those cross generational relationships, uh, Gen Pride, volunteering with Gen Pride, I mean, we do have, uh, actually, uh, I do want to take this opportunity to talk about our Pillars of Pride event, okay. which is our annual fundraising event. The first one was last year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and it's celebrated close to May 16th, which is Honor Our LGBTQ Elders Day. Okay. Okay. And last year we connected with about 12 organizations and invited each one to nominate someone within their organization to be honored as an elder in a, at our Pillars of Pride event. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, you know, in, in terms of actually seeing the vitality and the vibrancy of our community, I mean, that event really held it up mm-hmm. and, and really made us visible. And, and the, the people that have contributed have Have created particularly the Seattle community, Um, so that's a great place to volunteer or to come as a participant. Um, You know, so those are just some. I mean, volunteering, connecting with some of our events, um, and you know, the spaces that you're in to just remember, you know, to just to think about okay, who's not here, yeah, and how to bring folks in.
2: Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah. I wanted to also ask about, I've especially. In the past, like week or so, I've seen a lot of articles, discourse on like in the news about the word queer, and there are people saying that they don't like the word queer, and some people I think blame it on age. That you know, th- that's a newer word, and and you know, it's n- being newly adopted to uh, represent the community. Um, so I'm curious, here, how you feel about the word queer.
3: Well, uh, queer is not a new word. It's actually a very old word that was really used to target us. You know, it was one of the thing, you know, whether it was sissy, faggot, queer, it was used to torment us and target us. Hmm. Then, you know, like many words have been reclaimed by many different communities. It, you know, there's a way that at this point in time, it's being reclaimed uh, by our community. You know, my own personal opinion is I understand it not so much as an empowerment term, but as a shorthand because there are we are so diverse within our community LGBTQIAA2 spirit mm-hmm. that queer is like this big umbrella. But as a lesbian, I feel very invisible inside queer, so mm. it's not like I have an aver- you know, I, I don't have. Negative experiences myself, but I feel the that as as I said as a lesbian that it renders uh, me and other lesbians invisible hmm. because anybody at th- what it does seem like now anybody and everybody can identify as queer hmm. and it uh, it just doesn't help us see our own unique experiences inside this big tent Hmm. and I think we're losing something uh if we don't know how to hold on to that and you know whether it's you know and even whether it's lesbians lesbians of color gay men of color transgender folks you know so that it it kind of and especially it 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 dilutes our experience is more the concern I have Mm -hmm. rather than an aversion to the term myself
0: Yeah. yeah Yeah. To those people that do have an aversion to the term itself, do you have any advice on 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 how to approach conversations uh, uh, about the word queer with them? Like where I'm going with this is I I think that there's a lot of parts of the community that have just said it's going to be queer. Everyone get over it and they bulldoze over Mm -hmm. any sort of, you know, opposition or or concerns about about using it. And I don't want to do that either. But how do you how do we how do we How do we have this conversation you know uh,
3: Well, I think I would say the first thing to do is to listen, mm-hmm. just to find out what people's objections are. what you know what is it you know what is it how does it land on them? Mm. And you know how do they feel about it? How do they think about it what are the what are the issues they have? Because I think before you can really converse, you really have to understand where someone is coming from. and I think for those folks that object. There's a whole host of reasons out there. Mm -hmm. So I would just say start by listening, you know, asking questions and just listen and, you know, not even necessarily engage it, but just try to take in what people's different experiences are with that way of naming ourselves. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So another stereotype to sort of break down um, uh, is that uh, seniors vote more conservatively. That's certainly true nationwide you know regardless of of sexual orientation or gender identity does that hold true in the rainbow elder community are rainbow elders more conservative
3: well more conservative than whom uh
0: the, let's just say the the average american uh, or maybe the average queer person right? <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah
3: you know i actually i i don't really know how to get get into that hmm? uh outside of my own experience, sure. So all you know, and the experience of most of the people in my world, which, uh, because of being marginalized and othered, yeah. and the if we're talking just national politics, the only places where we were even remotely welcomed or tolerated was more on the democratic or progressive end of. Things. Yeah. And I, w- I would say, actually, that coming out and coming up in the 70s, we were way more political, way more left political hmm. than more of the younger folks today. Yeah. So rather than being more conservative, I suspect or I wonder if we're not more progressive yeah. than actually folks are today because the thing is we had so much we had to fight against Mm -hmm. we had so many barriers to break down you know and again we didn't find that those welcoming spaces we found them more in the progressive politics so um you know it's in many ways not in all ways easier so i actually would turn that back and say i think perhaps we were you know we were we out of necessity. When you think about, you think about ACT UP. You think about AIDS. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's. We were just on the progressive end of things because we were fighting for our lives.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. literal, literal lives. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love that. I think that's a that's that's a great um, insight. Like my my grandfather comes up pretty often on the show. He's ninety years old, lifelong Democrat, and is super down with gay rights, gay marriage. Like he there's there certain segments of the population that think a 90 year old white guy there's no way that he yeah. holds those kinds of, of views and he absolutely yeah. does so I think decoupling this idea of like where somebody sits on the political spectrum is necessarily tied to their right. age is, is important so
1: the the last question that I have then is um, we've talked about uh, some of the challenges and experiences of, of being a rainbow elder what's the what's the best part about being a rainbow elder
3: I'm trying to think of what comes up, but certainly not just surviving, but thriving Hmm. through the whole range of my own life experiences. Um, And being able to look back and being able to see, being able to know that, uh, and this is just very personal, that I lived through history. Hmm. Hmm. I lived through things uh, getting better for many of us, not all of us, but for many of us. And uh, so that's something that uh, I feel very proud about. I feel a lot of just, I just feel proud about that. And I feel that's uh, one of the joys of being a rainbow elder. And um, yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah, I love that too. That's really great. I think. Did we do it?
3: Yeah,
1: we did something. (laughs) We did stuff. (laughs) We did stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Great. Let's take a break. Break. Break.
2: Part where Mike
0: and Kyle take a break. so are we back we're back we're back <laughs> we are gonna do our gayest and straightest we're gonna do our gayest and straightest but first dr linda Marchesani, where can people find out what you're up to and where, where do you what do you want them to look at or no
3: oh well we'd love for you folks to go to our website gen <laughs> And uh, when you go to the website, you'll find out about all the programs and events that we're hosting. You'll we have a whole si- uh, part of the website that's devoted to Pride Place. You'll be able to see progress reports on Pride Place. Um, you'll be able to see resource directory. So if you're interested in any resources and you know, very important, you'll be able to donate. Mm. Uh, you'll either be able to donate to the campaign for Pride Place because we are still in the midst of a capital campaign, and or you'll be able to donate to our annual uh, fundraiser for Gen Pride. Mm. Uh, we really need the community support. We, de- you know, depend on the community support, so we hope that uh, you'll both go to the website, you know, in order to become more familiar with us, but also to support us as well.
0: Uh, are those donations tax deductible Yes yeah. yes excellent
1: also on the Gen genpride site slash unmuted is the anthology of uh, uh rainbow elders sharing their experience so that's another yes. thing you can check out and
3: Yes this this was the a uh, writing lab uh, i think it was about 2 years ago mm-hmm. uh that a number of participants went through with a, a writing and editor and their stories have been published in Unmuted it's so really, much to really
1: check cool. out yeah
0: awesome. yeah 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 well uh really quick a uh, couple of programming notes uh we have been confirmed we will be at the tree fort Music Festival in Ooh. Boise Idaho if you would like to come and support us and see us do a live show uh, uh that is at the end of March it's looking like Friday March 24th is going to be our appearance um, we'll give you more details as we get them, but uh, if you want to start making a plan to see us in Boise, get now do it. Yeah, we, do, we'll, do we'll it. Be there. Do it.
1: And there's another <laughs> gay show, uh, so you can see a couple of different gay podcasts that are going on at the same time. So yeah. it's going to be a blast.
0: Absolutely. And then second of all, uh, we said at the top of the show, but our Patreon Happy Hour, our first one of 2023, is coming up. That is Wednesday, February the first, at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Everybody at every level of financial support is absolutely. Welcome to come kick it with Kyle and I for a couple of hours. Yeah, it's a blast. It's a blast. Uh, everything's
1: a blast. I guess everything's a blast. Yeah, yeah.
0: everything's <laughs> sure. wonderful. Uh, our website is gayishpodcast.com.
1: You can find us on social media at gayishpodcast.
0: Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails, is 5855 gayish. That's five eight five five four two nine four seven four. Standard rate supply. Our email
1: is gayishpodcast at gmail.com.
0: And our physical mailing address is post office box one nine eight eight two, Seattle, Washington. Nine eight one zero oh, nine. Uh, you ready for a gayest and straightest? Gayest and straightest. I'm going to D- go first. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Uh So the uh, the gayest thing about me this week is uh, I go to the, I go to the gym, and mm-hmm. uh,
2: sh- yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but uh, every 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 few months or so, once a quarter give or take, they do this thing called the in body, where it's like you you stand on this scale with your bare feet and you hold the things, and then it like analyzes your your body, uh, and the gayest thing about me this week is just the like sweating bullets freaking out about how awful my in-body results were (laughs) last week just because between you know the holidays and all that travel I did and then being on my deathbed for weeks I Mm -hmm. just it's not it's not good and I'll get it turned around but like
1: there's nothing gayer than body imitation. No, yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, and then the, the the straightest thing about me this week was uh, the the Seahawks game was playing in my living room all day yesterday. Now, granted, this because my brother and nephews were here, but uh, but but yeah, it's just so much football has so many like crunching sounds and yelling. It's it's very... whistles. Yeah. Um. Well, my
1: straightest is coming over to watch said Seahawks football game. I uh, that was I just I don't. Uh, uh, when would i go see a seahawks football game i did not see it but like watch it on tv mostly to see your brother but
0: you yeah. interacting with my nephews is the funniest shit i've seen i've never I've
1: met them before. before yeah <laughs> they're very sweet um my gayest is uh we then played a game once the seahawks lost and there was a musical matching game so they had matched the m- name of the musical to this to a song in the musical and i won that the musical round yeah
0: you did you like you kicked everyone's ass yep yep your musical theater knowledge for sure ranks That's high in the (laughs) (laughs)
3: What about you? What's your gayest and straightest? Well, actually, my gayest and straightest are one and the same thing. (sighs) Excellent. So when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. I was a majorette or a twirler with the band in New York City (laughs) and had many parades down Fifth Avenue. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) In the late 80s, I joined the uh, Freedom Trail Band of Boston Mm -hmm. as a twirler. Okay. And I was one of the few women twirlers in the country, wow. and I would twirl at the Boston Pride. I again marched down uh, Fifth Avenue in New York City, but this time as part of the Freedom Trail Band of Boston, as in a gay and as a gay and lesbian band.
0: That's fantastic. not not a lot of lesbian twirlers in the in the universe. No, and, no, uh,
3: not at that time. <laughs> I don't know how it is now, but not at that time. <laughs> So it's one and the same. Yeah, <laughs> I love that.
0: Yeah, that's really great. Did we do? I, I guess, think that's yeah. it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> Dr. Marciassani,
0: thank you so, so much for being here. We really appreciate it. And best of luck with the uh, opening of the setter. And, and, um, yeah, go and donate. Go donate, donate, everybody. Yes,
3: thank you. It was really a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, thank-, thank you to... All of our Rainbow Elders. All of our Rainbow Elders. Yeah. yeah. And we, we, have, we have quite a few that listen to the show, actually. Oh, and yeah. I just, you know, express... Our gratitude and, and please please keep reaching out and keeping us honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, I want to thank our Super Gap Bridgers, Andrew Bugbee, Christopher M., John Crowley, Stephen Porteo, Stolzell, Harry Shaw, Josh Copeland, Jonathan Montanez, Forest Nail, Patrick Martin, James Barrows, Steve Douglas, Explosive Lasagna, Michael Cubbington, Just Jamie, Kevin Henderson, Thomas B. Dusty A. Coleman, Chris Cajetorians, and Jerome York, we love you most of all.
0: We love you most of all. That's it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Ketchatorian Studios. I'm Mike Johnson.
1: I'm Kyle Getz. Till next week. Be Butch, be fabulous, be you. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.